0: Welcome back to another episode of Interview You. This is your host, Lewis Shine. And hey, I have another special guest on the show today. But first, want to shout out my supporters and my partners, um, Dr. Dish. They make some of the most amazing shooting machines on the planet. And to check out the products that they provide, please visit them at drdishbasketball.com. That's Dr. Dish basketball.com and for your auto home life and financial needs please visit david roberts state farm 419-420-7700 or at agent well guys we have another special guest on the show today someone that's not a stranger to the game of basketball um has done it on the pl- on the playing field as well as as a coach and without further ado we have her here to tell her story today welcome to the show Coach Laura Harper. How's it going, coach?
1: I'm fantastic. How are you doing?
0: Doing well. Um, you know, wanted to get you on here. First, of all, I want to say thank you because I know that, you know, you're a head coach and you guys have a lot of things going on, especially with everything with COVID and the rules and regulations and school starting and family, you know, but I just want to say thank you for taking time to to be on the show.
1: No problem. My pleasure. I appreciate you reaching out.
0: Yeah, so we're gonna dive into your story. This is a part of uh the show that I love to hear just the background of how you know people have become who they are and, and how the of game of basketball has taken them to the places they are. So let's take this thing way back. What what's the point in your life when you can remember the ball first touching your hands? Let's go all the way back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um wow. So it's funny because. Basketball was always in my family, but I was not always into basketball. My um, first sport was actually field hockey. And um, I'll never forget, because my father, he's coached for over 30 years, and he played at George Washington University. Mm -hmm. Um, And my older brother, he's four years older than me, they were always playing, and I was just resistant to wanting to play. So I would say I started late. I didn't start playing until I was 13.
0: Oh, wow. High school.
1: Yeah, I was like, "eh, I'll give it a try."
0: <laughs> so, in your time of giving it a try, let let's take it from when you first started, now up until your senior year. What, mm-hmm. what what began to? At what point did it begin to kind of grip your interest? Where it's like, you know, what I could do something with this game. You know, let, let <laughs> let's push a little bit more.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, between thirteen and fourteen, I grew six inches. Wow. So- that kind of changed. Now I had a different kind of physique. I went from being like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, to now I was like 6'1", six, 6'2", six, um, t- in, in one year. So I was like, man, am I ever going to stop growing? <laughs> <laughs> and then at that point I said, you know, this is actually fun. I can just run around. I have a lot of energy. I felt extremely well-placed in the game of basketball.
0: Wow. That sounds like a... uh. Sound like Anthony Davis, kind of when he grew all those. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was cra- it was crazy. It really was.
0: Wow. So you know, take it take it off into high school. You know, recruiting process hit. Kind of what was that like for you, and how did you come to choose um, the University of Maryland?
1: It's so funny you say that because I just was never the best player. I never was that skilled. I just. I ran really hard um, and I worked hard and I think it's interesting because I never really thought that I was good. Um, I just felt like no one could outwork me. So I would always be in the conversation just because of my work ethic, but I might throw that thing over the backboard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then I would get it and then maybe two or three more times later, I put it in, you know? Um, yeah, that was <laughs> that was sort of my thing. And Pardon me. That just really worked me through high school, and you know, Brenda Free, she was a phenomenal recruiter. She was someone I've learned so much from, specifically as a coach now and as a player, as far as just the consistency behind recruiting, and really building relationships and building trust, and you know how important all those things are to to get players to trust you. And I feel like. When I was 15, she started recruiting me and everyone knew that I was just, I could barely run and chew gum and walk and dribble. There was just, all I did was run really hard and really fast and I had pretty good hands. And I'd block some shots every once in a while too. Um, (laughs) But she was such a young coach and she had so much passion and fire and just felt like I could really help her, you know, take Maryland to special places. And honestly, I can say that's really what
0: happened. Wow, man, that's amazing. And, you know, when I think of Maryland, I think of, of course, Juan Dixon. I think of Steve Francis, Joe Smith. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I I used to watch him back in the day and that was one of my my favorite schools to watch. And um, I also think about the Under Armour story now, you know, I read that, you know, how all that came about. But um, talk a little bit about Maryland and, and just like what were a few of your highlights in being there?
1: No for sure I mean you know this is the crazy thing about me as a person as a leader one wouldn't necessarily say this was a highlight but my freshman year I tore my Achilles tendon nine games into my season um and that point I was leading the team in scoring a lot of people don't realize my freshman year um I had just missed the redshirt by like two games at that point and I was devastated you know I felt like at that point, freshman year, things clicked for me. It finally was like, my body was growing in, I was now actually an athlete, you know? Um, But then I tore my Achilles. And it was one of those things that woke me up to, I have to get back, I have to do this game, I love this so much, and no one's ever gonna take the game away from me again. Um, And it just gave me a different perspective of learning and working. And I know for a fact, for me personally, if that did not happen my freshman year, there's no Laura Harper that's the most outstanding player, national champion my sophomore year. There's no way, you know, um, and that's so real and, and just has an intent, intended plan and purpose for for each of his children because that path, woo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wish it on anyone, but at the same time, I think, you know, it just it builds a lot of character.
0: Wow. Um, and, you know, that Achilles, that thing that I hear about and I cringe. I've never had that type of injury, but the people that I've, I've always heard about those injuries. And you know what? One of the things I saw was people come back better. Um, you know, you yeah. listen to, like, uh, Dominique Wilkins, which I never knew had an Achilles you know, injury until a few years ago, and Kobe, of course, and um, you got Richard Sherman, but it's like they come back better. Like, what was it like doing that comeback process for you?
1: You know, it's it's interesting because now we're even watching um, the pinnacle of Brianna Stewart. Yeah. And just her comeback this year, and one could arguably say that they're on pace to maybe win championship this year you know and I can tell you this from when I felt like my foot was disconnected from my leg and it was dangling there and I was just in utter disbelief of what happened it kind of just puts you in a place to just have a genuine appreciation for every single ligament bone tendon like everything has to work in proper accordance to make Beautiful athletic things happen to play at a high level, I should say. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I think for me, it went from the okay, my foot's dangling, something is seriously wrong. How do I fix it? You know, and, and I genuinely think basketball saved me in that sense that now I've become the most tough nosed person ever because I went from nothing to greatness in, in one year of just determined work. Um, so I felt like I was just like a success story that, that really did happen. Um, and I don't think I can do another calf raise. I think I've done thousands <laughs> and thousands of calf raises in my day, but it was one of those resilience building type activities that I would never have said 10, even 10 years ago, I wouldn't have admitted to how powerful that was for me and my growth.
0: Wow that that's amazing I'm, I'm so glad we talked a little bit about that you know it's like like this it's a genuine appreciation you know when somebody can overcome an injury like that everybody doesn't but you know um, you did and, and kudos mm. on that one and um, going you know coming off of that going into a championship year uh, talk about yeah. your just your excitement for having done that of course everybody doesn't do that you don't roll out of the bed with a national championship you know You know, what was it like when you accomplished that and then kind of turn your shoulder and look back on the the work that it took to come back from the injury, go through a year, and then get that championship ring?
1: Wow. Um, Winning a national championship is a feeling that I'll never forget for my whole life. Strictly, selfishly, I should say, because it catapulted me on the scene of this player that I mean I literally was the fifth sixth seventh option on the team that just came and worked hard and was consistent you know and then for it was like the hard work finally paid off and the dirty work finally helped us win and I just felt so such a big part of you know who I was becoming was came into that game and you know my my teammates and Crystal Langhorn, Marissa Coleman, Christy Tolliver, Shaderon. I mean, they had done so many amazing things to just showcase themselves. And it's its just, it was perfect. I, all I can say is it was perfect. Time almost felt like it slowed down. And for once in my life, I felt like life made sense. And all the hard work was finally just paying off.
0: Yeah. Man, congratulations on that, and and that, that's awesome. Like I say, everybody doesn't get that, you know. Um, you know, I got close, <laughs> but to get a national championship, you know, that's, that's pretty amazing. And, you know, so your championship year, um, where mm-hmm. in between then and you actually playing pro for you, was it, was mm-hmm. it you always knew that was your drive or did it kind of come along as you experienced success, during college, you know, just that thought of, I do want to play pro. I'm going to push towards that. Where did that happen for you?
1: You know, it's interesting because now coaching and recruiting players that are like, they want to be pros. That's all they're thinking about. They want to be pros. They want to be pros. And I'm kind of like, I just wanted to be the best, like whatever that looked like. It's kind of crazy. Even when I was in high school, I wanted to go to UConn. They Mm -hmm. were the best. That was the epitome of greatness in my mind because that's all I saw. And then I actually got an offer from UConn <laughs> my junior year. I committed and then I decommitted. And it was one of those things where, I mean, I admired Gino and his staff and everything at that point. But, you know, Brenda had just built the relationship that I really trusted. And that was what I needed to be successful. So I, I say that because at every step, greatness has been what has motivated me championships winners like i study them i study steve jobs to me he's epitomized the world for us you know and i don't think people like him get enough credit um just to have that agility to to sift through what it's really like to be great um so i'm kind of different in that i'm a little little strange one could Hmm. say (laughs) and like what really drives me um and it, it works for me because because I know I'm different. I really do.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I love it. <laughs> I love it. And um, I believe that uh, I was listening to Kobe uh, one time. I, I, I used to listen mm-hmm. to a lot of his uh, just YouTube stuff while I was in the office. And he was just talking about how he would, like, pick up the phone and just cold call people that were sometimes mm-hmm. in basketball, out of basketball, but, like, were the best in their fields. Just to pick their brains and see how he can apply it to what he's doing. So, like that made me think about it when you said that you study Steve Jobs. Um, you're studying one of the best, you know, and um because you want to be the best. And um yeah, yeah. so that that's just amazing to hear. So um talk us through that moment when you knew you were going pro. And when your name was called in the draft, like, talk us through that moment.
1: Hmm. Man, so my senior year, and I will say this, a lot of people thought it went well, but an elite eight to me felt like failure my senior year. Um, so I was extremely just devastated after we played Stanford and lost, um, I felt like I didn't have, and that's the thing for me. I have a very narrow scope of, I'm I'm in it to win it, and I don't really see anything until it's over. So I can genuinely say, Candace Wiggins, forty two points, I think she had, um, which was my last game playing at Maryland, is all I remembered. And then everyone's like, "You you're going to the WNBA," and I'm like, "What?" Like, I had eight points that game. I felt like I was just trash. I felt like I was the reason why we lost. And I genuinely didn't have perspective that this is what's next, you know? Um, And I guess that's why you have coaches. That's why you have parents. That's why you have agents. And I'll never forget we were in Tampa, um, Sheila Johnson, at her place, at her resort, I guess. And this was the first time I realized, man, I'm being represented by Boris Lechiski and SIG sports and they're helping me get my dress and my makeup and helping me get my parents here and just like this this is what it really looks like and feels like and I don't think it dawned on me where everyone's like oh you're being invited like you're going to be a first round draft pick and I was like what? <laughs> I couldn't believe you know it just it was all just sort of surreal because I wasn't one of those players that averaged 20 points a game like I just wasn't that and I didn't feel like my game was going to translate that way in the pros. Um, So then when my family was there and I was, I mean, I played in the class with Candace Parker, Sylvia Fowles, Crystal Langhorne. I mean, we had an amazing, amazing draft class. So to be drafted 10th, I'm like, man, like, I don't know. I was one of those kids that really didn't hear the noise because people were saying, okay, her stock is rising, stock rising. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I feel like unless we win a national championship, it's like, Win or bust. That was that was literally how dramatic I was, you know. So when it happened, I was like, "Wow, like I'm going to Sacramento. This this is crazy." And and you know, the rest is sort of history. My family they were my biggest support system, and and that's what's crazy about now coming coming back to the DMV. My family is here. I mean, my my niece turns nine on Friday, and I haven't been to a birthday in nine years. Like this will be the first birthday I've ever been able to attend, and I'm like, "This is God working," you know. This is how how wow. it happens.
0: Wow, mm-hmm. that that's amazing. That's, and it's it's like it it's like life kind of ties in, and then God brings it back around, and it just makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. like exactly. yeah. Um, so that's great stuff. So you know, you were with Sacramento. You had several other stops along your pro career. Mm-hmm. What what was your, you know, you could say your your favorite stop, or if you got two of them, because I know sometimes that could be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was your favorite stop during your pro time?
1: So it's interesting you say that in Sacramento, I met two of the best point guards and two of my really good friends. One of my best friends, her birthday is actually Friday too. Tisha Penichero. Um, she was my point guard, and I also played with Kara Lawson. So Sacramento just, I felt like I learned from two of the best and it wasn't just the best basketball people. They were, they were the best people for me. Um So I felt like as a, as a rookie, a 21, 22 year old, I felt super young and dumb, but I had really good leadership there. Um I also played pro. I, I can say three spots. I love my life in Italy. I felt like it was so me as far as like the fresh food and the pizza and the pasta and the wine, I just, this is like, this can't be real life, you know? And the gondolas in Venice, it, it just, I'm like, I really play here, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I—and this was before I tore my ACL first. So I tore my ACL in, in Italy. And after that, I really, I struggled coming back, but I always did come back. That was the thing. I told myself I was always going to come back. And when I didn't feel like I was 100%, then I would stop. Because if I, I'm not going to, like, half play. Um, so after Italy, I played in Turkey a lot. But then my last season, I'll never forget it. It was, like, the biggest blessing of my life. I played in Moscow. I played with Christy Tolliver, my college teammate, and Crystal Langhorn both. Um, and my very last game, I had 40 points. And it was nuts. People don't even know that my knee, it would just sub Like, I would jump, land, and it would pop in and out. And it scared them, like, I just, I couldn't imagine playing any more after this game because I couldn't explain to people that it was not, my knee was not in place when I was playing. Um, but I had 40 points and we we're playing like Joanna <laughs> Juana Bonner, Diana Trusty. I mean, I was playing all these crazy people and um, I was drafted to go to San Antonio. And then... Um, I had to tell them like, look, my knee, I can't really play. And they're like, but you just didn't I was like, I'm just crazy. Like, I promise you, <laughs> I took myself to a place that I was able to complete this game, but I barely can walk. Um, So that was really just the pinnacle of I live my life. I love my life. And now I want to give back to the game. And that's sort of where I'm at now, where it's like these girls deserve someone that actually loves the game this much to give
0: back. Yeah. Yeah. San Antonio is like, throw that ace bandage on there and come on out here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that
0: that happened twice
1: in my career, San Antonio and Indiana. We were like, We want you. Like, We see what you're doing. I'm like, I wish I could. <laughs> But, yeah, I I retired while I was – literally, I, I had this amazing game. Yeah. <laughs> and no one knew that, like, my knee came out like six Oh, wow.
0: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard anything like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> well, 40 <Ooh>. points. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, so, end of your career there – what, what made you want to coach? Is it, was it something you always wanted to do or, you know, you want to stay around the game? Like, what, what transitioned you into the coaching world? So,
1: I wouldn't say it was something I always wanted to do. But in the past 10 years, it was something I felt like I was mm-hmm. called to do. Because I've had eight knee surgeries. So, I've, like, maneuvered through my ACL and microfracture and, like, all these little kind of nagging things that I had with my knee. And when I was hurt, I was always staying around the game and helping yeah. people, um, guide them, mold them. And I felt like in that time, I was like, I'm supposed to be leading. I'm supposed to be showing showing people, some other people mm-hmm. the way. And then I'm like, I love this. I'm still like, this is almost, I can give more effort and passion to coaching and it doesn't hurt my Yes. <laughs> literally you
0: completely understand that. And so now you're, you know, you've had a few stops in the coaching and, and congratulations, mm-hmm. your new head coach, Coppin state, congratulations on that. And, um, thank you. What's so much. what, give us a snapshot of what it's been like. I mean, it's of course, you know, with the, you being a new hire, it's a lot going on, but then you have COVID, which presents a whole new, um, you know, plate of, difficulties and decisions, like, you know, keeping in touch with your ladies? Like, what has it been like for you on a day-to-day?
1: Man, um, it's a whirlwind. I can say that I'm learning and praying each day. (laughs) I can say I have the best staff in America, and I mean it. Like, some people say it, but for me, I have the best staff for me. And people say that, oh, you know, you're an HBCU, you have a limited budget. I am just so grateful for the quality of people that I'm surrounded by it just they lift me up in a way that I would never be able to do myself um so when we talk about what these girls need and just the support um we're going through COVID right now so it's not the same sort of coaching you can't love on your kids the same way you can't coach them the same way there's just so much you can't do and I'm not using it as an excuse. I'm really just grateful for this opportunity. And now I'm trying to change the culture, you know, just set it straight and, and have the standard of excellence that I'm used to living by.
0: Oh, that, that's, that's really good right there. I mean, it's good to hear that you you know, your staff, you know, of course that's important to have a staff that has your back, supports you and know, lifts you up and everything. everything. And so, um, and then, you know, during this time, you know, you have to, like you said, navigate the different things, the rules, the you know, it's it's challenging. And, you know, I have been I've been really kind of just watching and it's a lot of different situations for different universities. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um blessings on you guys as you, you know, navigate things and while everything is getting back to normal. Um but uh you. Blessings Oh, you, thank too. you. So as we turn this corner to wind this down, um Couple things I want to mm-hmm. talk about with you. Uh, one of the things is, you know, I, you know, just watching you from afar, you know, social media and things. I know your faith is something that's very important to yourself. What has your faith in the Lord meant to you just over these years? Whether that's from your playing years to your coaching years to how you go about being a head coach, what does it mean to you?
1: You know. It's just God is so much greater than everything. So I know that every battle that I step into, I have to regard him first. And then trying to be a head coach, trying to control things, trying to be right, trying to be perfect. I forget sometimes who is in control. Um, And I think that the more us as leaders and people in power make it okay to be within your faith, I think it, it helps give our younger generation a voice as well. Um so I'm just I'm just trying to walk in my faith the right way for me so that it feels natural for my players or my family and everyone just just to to be able to do the same for themselves.
0: It's amazing. And he is he is everything. And like like you said, you know, through all the stuff you're doing, the the Lord has you. He has your back. And he's leading us. And, um, you know, I just didn't want to leave that part out because it is, especially with what's going on right now, you know, um, you know, he said he'll order our steps. And and, I know Mm -hmm. that he's doing that with you and, you know, what you're doing as a head coach. So um, it's really great to hear, you know, your faith in that. And um, last thing I want to ask you is, you know, one of the reasons I started this podcast is because, you know, I have a lot of mm-hmm. – had a lot of players, some that I coach, some that I, you know, will look across the hall at the men's program. And they're like, hey, Coach, coach Lou, mm-hmm. we want to go pro, Coach Lou. <laughs> you know, and I'm like – I was like, For you sure. know what, let me get some people that have done that and, you know, come on and speak about their situation or their journey. That way you can get players, coaches, or – whoever might be trying to just perfect their craft, they can listen to the stories and and they can get a little ammo uh, ammunition to take along their journey to help them, you know, motivation wise, what in your life, what's something that you've lived by? Um, It could be a quote. It can be something your grandma told you, you know, anything that you, you kind of carry with you, with you for a while, that you kind of pull out when you need it. Mm-hmm. What's something that you can leave with our listeners today that, that kind of embodies that nature?
1: Wow. Um, I think it's right now, I just feel prove them wrong. It's just so hard on my heart because I feel like the them is whoever you need them to be. And I feel like as women specifically, there's always some kind of maybe it's the voices in your head, maybe it's the people that haven't really trusted you or told you you were good enough or you know the just the images that you have about yourself or someone that says something negative. I think you just need to prove everything and everyone wrong and focus on the main thing and the main thing is if you work hard and you keep working hard, good things are going to follow. You know, you, you just, wor- we worry about too much as, as humans, you know, we're just trying to control this and trying to control that. And, and right now it's like, just prove everyone wrong. If you prove everyone wrong by your hard work, success is going to follow. Success follows work and you just got to have faith that you can,
0: you can really do it. That's it. That's it. Good stuff, coach. Appreciate you sharing that and really appreciate you taking a moment to be on tonight and um I know that the listeners will will really enjoy, you know, some of the things that you you mentioned tonight. Um is there um mm-hmm. do you want to leave a um you know your social media um somewhere that you know some somewhere that somebody that's listening to this can reach out to you or follow you and track you as you're digging into your new home at Coppin State? Um can you leave your social media for us?
1: I would love that. At Coach L Harper is on everything instagram twitter everything's at coach l harper i appreciate any kind of support pub anything so thank you for this um we're just grateful because we're going to continue to brand our program and we're just going to continue to to be grateful and appreciative of anyone and everything that's going to come as far as positivity towards us so Take Sounds
0: good. Thank you for letting me interview you coach. And, and I speak blessings over you and, and sweatless victory and great success to you and your coaches and your players. I'm looking forward to following you as you go. For your auto home life and financial needs, please visit David Roberts State Farm 419-420-7700 or at agentdavidroberts.com. And hey, for you you all out there that are um, in the market for a new shooting machine, um, with Dr. Dish, they make some of the most amazing shooting machines on the planet. And for a limited time offer, um, for mentioning the interview you podcast, you can receive $300 off of the CT, the all-star or the rebel model of the shooting machine. So make sure you go and check them out at drdishbasketball.com. Well, Hey everybody thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of interview you we'll see you on the next episode